Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Good morning, everybody. A hot, sweltery, happy Sunday morning in the Delaware Valley along with my pal Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Oh, I stepped right on the sound. Dan Wilson, I apologize. Play the sound, Dan. Three balls, two strikes on Ramuto. And the right-hander checks second, the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, deep right field towards the corner. Thomas is back, looking up, and that ball is off the top of the wall. It's in play, bounds back towards the infield. Baum around third. He's coming home. The throw will come home. It'll be late, and it'll be a triple for JT Remuto. And the Phillies now lead it 7-0. The pitch. And it's swung on, hit high and deep center field. Robles going back to the track, looking up. It is gone into the Phillies' bullpen. JT Realmuto with a two-run home run. His 12th of the year. And it's 11-4, Phillies. Jody Mack, first of all, good morning, Jody Mack. Good morning, Glenn Mack. Now, other than sweating, how are you? <laughs> well, other than the fact that if my head wasn't screwed on, I'd forget it. I, I literally talked to Dan Wilson during the last break from Sunny Hill, and we agreed to open with... The Real Muto triple end home run, and then the music plays, and I start talking like a ninny. Anyway. Uh, it, you're, you're overheated, and the show is just getting underway. Oh, you, you, you need to cool down a little bit, buddy. Yeah, it's a scorcher, and the Phillies are a scorcher, and how about that as they uh, just stomp again over the hapless Washington Nationals 11-5 last night at Citizens Bank Park. And I wanted to open with that Real Muto thing because you've watched a lot of baseball in your life, Jody, but unless – you were around in 1901. You do not, in your life, have had the opportunity to have seen a catcher homer and triple in consecutive games. Back-to-back games, yeah. yeah. Been a long time. Uh, both you and I have been around for a while. Neither one of us were around in 1901. No. We've got, we've got that one cleared, but, uh, yeah, he is red hot. I remember uh, last Sunday or Sunday before, I forget which one it was, you and I were doing together. Uh, but you made reference to guys playing to the back of their baseball card, which yeah. some people uh, acknowledge and understand. Other younger listeners go, baseball card? What the hell are they oh, talking no. about? Really? Yeah, there there are probably a couple out there listening to us going, yeah, I don't get that reference. What the hell is Mac not talking about? I surely do. Yeah. And the majority of our audience does. I'm just saying some might not. That's exactly what's going on here, Glenn. Real Muto and Castellanos, Real Muto like two and a half weeks, 
Castellanos the better part of a week, have both started playing to the back of their baseball cards. Last 12 games, Rio Muto has 14 RBIs. Last six games, Castellano has seven RBIs. They're hitting, they're being productive, they're driving in runs, they're playing to the back of their baseball card, and guess what? This Phillies team is good enough if everybody plays to the back of their baseball card. Absolutely correct, Jody McDonald. Let me add one more stat from last night, although he has not been slumping. But impressive that Reese Hoskins is now homered in the first inning three nights in a row. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, it was a runaway again last night, 9 to nothing after two innings. They had two home runs in the first. Patrick Corbin, the Washington starter, couldn't get out of the first. 10-2 and two in the last 12, Jody. 11 games over 500. 37-19 um, and 19 since Rob Thompson took over. Manager of the year votes? Votes, yes. Do I think he'll get it? No, because he joined midseason. If they, if, well, let me put a qualifier on it. If they catch both the Braves and the Mets oh, and they yeah. win the National League East, yes, I yeah. think Rob Thompson okay. has a chance to win manager of the year. That's still a little far-fetched, but he will absolutely get some consideration and be in the, the running. Don't think he'll win the award, though. All right, so what we have now is a three-team race for two spots. I think like a month ago, we kind of said, like, well, it's a four-team race for a couple spots. San Francisco, they've fallen off the face of the earth. They're right. they're they're kind of cooked. Uh, the Braves, uh, what are the Phillies, four and a half behind the Braves? I mean, there's still a lot of ground to cover. But if you just look at it today, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and the Phillies, um, Milwaukee lost last night, right? So Correct. Phillies and St. Louis tied Milwaukee a game back. Either Milwaukee or St. Louis is going to win that division. So, again, it's three teams going for two. One of the other teams is going to make it. The Phillies need to be better than either of them. And, Jody, those are those are pretty good teams. St. Louis is a pretty good team. They beat the Yankees one to nothing yesterday. But I, I, we've been here before. I know we've been here before. I know that I can – Gosh, 25 years ago, you said to me that I can see the world through Phillies covered lenses. <laughs> and that uh, that remains true. I'm feeling good about it these days. I'm feeling very optimistic. As well you should. And uh, he wasn't on last night. He was on the Apple game the other night. Uh, but Bryce Harper uh, is, I, I guess, close to coming back. I thought he was really good, by the way. He may have a future in doing that announce thing when his career is over and done with, which, oh, by the way, he's under contract for another decade, so I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but he was actually pretty good. I was actually kind of bummed that he said September-ish. Now, yeah. ish, yeah. I love ish. Ish or yeah. T- I-S-H are three of my favorite letters. I've been using them since I was a teen when I was telling my mother what time I was going to be coming home at night. <laughs> 11-ish, ma, which gets you to about 11.35, at least in my mind it did. So it does give you flexibility, but I was I was hoping to hear late August rather than September-ish. But at some point he's going to be back, and it's going to be a late-season edition, and they don't get much bigger than an MVP-level player like Harper. No, they sure don't. And even even without him, they've been playing very well, as we just said. And part of what helps them, Listen, I know, I've heard on this station, like, well, they're only beating the Nationals, whatever. Yeah. It counts in the standings. That's they what are, you got to do. As, beat as the bad snot as, out of bad yes, teams. Yes, yes. And they play a lot of bad. They got games against the Nats. They got, I think they got eight more against the Nats. Um, leading into today, they play the Pirates a lot late in the season. They play some of the some of the bottom feeders. Reds. 
the Reds. They've got some series against the Reds. And you know what? That can propel you into the playoffs. That's I have no problem with them being bad teams. You go 500 against good teams. You beat up on bad teams. Guess what? You make the postseason. All right. This afternoon, Aaron Nola against Corey Abbott. I had to look up Corey Abbott. Jody, he is a 26-year-old with uh, 26 major league innings under his belt. They picked him up from San Francisco earlier this year. Don't remember what deal it was. The waivers. No, they just oh, uh, not didn't even. even have to give anything up to get him. Okay. So, one of the things I want to ask you, Jody McDonald, to start, because the Sunday show is in some ways kind of a weekend review show. Uh, you and I spoke last weekend about trade deadline coming up. What do we want them to do? We tossed around a lot of names. They made moves. They got Brandon Marsh. They got Noah Syndergaard. Ignominious start, but they got him. They got David Robertson in, out, word. D.D. Gregorius. Put a sticker on that one. I'm going to get back to him. Uh, with you, they got rid of Odubel Herrera so long. They got rid of Familia. Take a hike. They got rid of Mickey Moniak. By the way, he's got two home runs with the Angels. But, you know, I wish him well. Right. Um, I got praise for what Dombrowski did. I think it really helped them a lot. I would like to know your kind of overview of the trade deadline move. Here's here's one of the funny aspects of it, because I was here on WIP on Tuesday night, the night of the oh, trade deadline. fun times. Yes, and, and got some immediate feedback uh, from Philly Nation. Um, not everybody loved the uh, shipping out of Logan O'Hoppy, uh, because he is a – a good prospect who's come quickly through the system this year. He wasn't thought of as a top prospect this offseason, but has had a good year, so he's moved up the prospect rankings, and people weren't necessarily happy that they traded him uh, in exchange for Brandon Marsh, who is a still young developing outfielder who has done next to nothing offensively in the year plus he's been in the big leagues, but he can go get it with the best of them, and they desperately needed a defensive upgrade in center field. So uh, Dombrowski uh, leaned heavily on upgrading defense with Castellanos to your uh, left and Schwarber to the right, who can really complain with something like that. But the funny thing about it was, Glenn, they did two separate trades with the Angels. Yeah. And if they had just made one trade a three-for-two deal rather than a one-for-one deal and a two-for-one deal, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. But because it was Ohapi for Brandon Marsh, and they look up uh, Marsh's offensive numbers and go, well, wait a minute, why are we getting this guy? He can't hit worth a lick. Um, And we're giving up a young catching prospect who, oh, by the way, if JT Realmuto is still playing, um, he's not going to be in the big leagues for three years, so I'm not sure why you're worrying about that, but they were. Uh, if, if it had been a one uh, one trade combined the two, I don't think anybody would have questioned Dombrowski at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm bright enough to, to see that you can put the two trades together if you want, just a couple hours in between. What's the difference? I, I gave him a B-plus, A-minus. I thought Dombrowski did an outstanding job. It couldn't be an A-plus. They didn't get Juan Soto. They didn't get Josh Hader. San Diego's the only team that got an A-plus. But I'll say he did as good a job as anybody else upgrading the chances of this year's team to make the 22, uh, 2022 playoffs. And that was the most important thing that he had to accomplish at the trade deadline, and he did just that. Very much agree. Um, and I think a big reason for that, and it's one that probably the one we've talked about the least, is I think the bullpen. It's gotten a lot better, not just because of this. Listen, David Robertson 
healthy, coming back to fulfill the expectations the first time, I think is is a really nice move. You can you can move him, you alternate him with Sir Anthony to close. Uh, I think this kid Bilotti, I know he didn't look good last night, but I think this kid Bilotti's pretty good. Alvarado against lefties. Hand is is okay. Um, I think you put that all together. The bullpen goes from being certainly last year, what, about 34 saves last year, I think? And the year before, it had oh, the, the ERA over the, seven. The worst ever bullpen yeah. ever in the history of the game. Yeah, had an ERA over seven in 2020. I think the bullpen is now, it's not just not a weakness. And I'm not telling you that this, this bullpen matches, you know, Sparky Anderson, Cincinnati Reds, or find the best bullpen, the, the, the Yankees of the early aughts. But I think it's I think it's a decent bullpen that gives Rob Thompson flexibility and somebody every night that he can count on. I agree wholeheartedly. And David Robertson's a good guy. He's a guy who I've actually interviewed face to face. We don't get to do a lot of these things. We we do them via the telephone line. We get a chance to talk to great people like Merrill Reese coming up in about uh, forty five minutes. Uh, but I was doing uh, a baseball preview show from the field at Yankee Stadium many years ago. He was just a young reliever uh, trying to uh, step into the shoes of Mariano Rivera. That sure as hell isn't easy. Uh, couldn't have been a nicer guy. And we just shot the breeze. We were waiting to come back, talking about offseason, stuff like that. So I've been a fan of his forever. When the Phillies got him the first time, I was excited. Oh, well, that didn't go too well. Uh, but trip number two through town, he seems like a motivated guy. Sure enough, the manager tosses him into a safe spot, his first opportunity, and he comes through. So I'm with you. I think that uh, Robertson is – sometimes you get that domino effect. You get one guy who puts everybody else in a slightly different position, and all of a sudden you go, hey, that's not too shabby. Mm-hmm. I like it. And – it was so overdue to get rid of Odubel, who I thought was a losing player uh, and had way too many chances in town. And, you know, culminating with him failing to run out the uh, the ball the other night. Uh, I know you, you were optimistic about Familia coming in, but he certainly gave you nothing this no. year. Moniak had his share of chances here, uh, although he didn't think so. Again, I wish him success somewhere else. He's going to go somewhere. He's not going to have the expectations, the pressure being the number one pick. Maybe he'll finally get it, but he wasn't going to get it here. And Didi is the one I feel kind of bad about because he did seem a good guy, uh, and I think they liked having him on the team. But, man, his skills are just eroded. Can I uh, quickly comment on Mickey Moniak? Because he did kind of take a little bit of a side swipe going out the door to mm-hmm. California. And I'm with you. I, uh, I'll i root for the kid. I, I'm not, I wish him no ill will. And if he becomes a player for the Angels, good on him. He's been in the big leagues each of the last three years. In 2020, he only got 18 at-bats, but 18 at-bats is 18 at-bats. You're you're a number one pick. You think the guy would be motivated to come up and hit the ground running. He had no extra base hits in 18 at-bats. In 2021, he had 37 at-bats. He hit 091. Now, it didn't didn't make it to the Mendoza line. Didn't make it to the highway. He was 091. And this year, he's got 50 at-bats, and he's a buck 30. He's not even close to hitting his weight. He might be on the highway, but then your next goal is to hit your weight. And if you're hitting 130, you're not hitting your weight. Uh, Mick, you didn't quite get the job done here. Would have been nice if they had thrown you out there and given you a full season of 500 at-bats. That never happened, but it wasn't like you didn't get a chance. Each of the last three years on the major league level, 
and you didn't do anything. So good luck in California, but don't be taking shots at Philly going out the door. Yeah, and the thing is, a contending team can't afford to wait for a slow developer like him. I'm talking about it at the major league level. He's been a slow developer at the minor league level. I don't think his OPS at the minor league level has ever cleared 750. Um, if you're a bad team, if you're the Angels, you're going nowhere. You can say, all right, you know what, we're going to give him 150 at-bats and see how it plays out. Phillies can't afford to do that. So I, I agree his whining was not well-suited. Uh, 215-592-9494. Can, move, me, oh, yeah, can I ahead. get one more Philly point in because you kind of touched yep. on it? Yep. Um, because, again, we all look for our ways to get a feel on uh, the fan base here in town. When you and I are on the air, when I'm on Monday and Tuesday nights, you get a chance to talk to some people, our social media responses, everything. Milton still takes a little grief from a segment of Philly Nation, which I'm not sure I understand why. And Dombrowski was the guy who was the point man on all of this, but they ate the rest of Didi's salary. He was not getting the job done. They had other options in the middle infield. I, too, like him as a guy, but let's be honest, one home run, you got a chance to get released. He did. Familia got a decent middle reliever free agent contract during this offseason. They weren't afraid to pull the plug. And even Oduble, who was back on a lesser deal than the one they signed a long-term uh, deal, uh, they did bring him back at a lesser number. But, again, you're releasing the guy. You're eating the rest of the salary. The general manager doesn't get to do that unless he gets the okay from the, the owner. And the owner said, Dave, do what you got to do. Give me the best team for the last 50 games so that we can make the playoffs. Whatever it comes out to, uh, out of money, out of my pocket, don't sweat it. Do what you got to do. And they did. They released three guys who were still on guaranteed contracts who they're going to pay to do nothing for them. I think he should at least acknowledge that Middleton was willing to eat that. I'm not talking about a major uh, money uh, intake, but he did eat those three salaries, and they did so for one reason only, to make the team better this year. Yeah, he gets no criticism from me in terms of a guy willing to spend now to make his to, to contend right now. I, and, you know, they invested all the money before the season, right? They invested yep. in Schwarber. They invested in Castellanos. They went way up there. So it's kind of in for a dime, in for a dollar. You got you to gotta do what you can. So it, I, I applaud him. I also say it's the job. Uh, I certainly can't call him cheap. And, by the way, the Syndergaard contract they took on is, is it's a lot for what he's going to give you. You know he's, he's not going to play up to the contract, but you think he can help you as a fourth Maybe a third starter, probably a fourth starter, right? Uh, that's it. it that's a good debate. I want to ask you that question before we get. You want to? I'll ask. Yeah, go you ahead. Uh, go here's because uh, I did this bring, bring this up yesterday when I was filling for Howard. Let's say knowing we're putting the cart before the horse, but let's be optimistic. Put those Philly colored glasses on and say the Phillies make it as a wild card, which means you're going to be in a three game series with the chance to advance. If you had to make the call right now. Who would be your three starting pitchers? And maybe even more intriguing, how would you line them up? Well, Wheeler, Nola. See, I disagree. You go Nola, Wheeler? No. Be, be. No? No. If if you win that first game, you make a call on Wheeler or Nola, and between you and I, I think they're damn close. Um, I'd probably put Wheeler number one, but uh, if – the last five weeks dictate something else. I would be flexible to go Nola first hey, and Wheeler second. Just if I may interrupt for a second, if the last five weeks we get decent Aaron Nola, that will be a nice change. 
yes, he has had some September issues. Very yeah. true. Uh, so let's see how that plays. Um, but if if you go Nola, Nola and Wheeler and you lose one of those two games, you're coming back with whoever it is a drop-off at number three. Now, I get it. You put your two best four feet forward and you win both, you move on. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Drive home safely. But if you lose, now you've got your number three. Yeah, I hear you. I got to win those games. Whatever order it is, I got to win those games. I go Nola Wheeler. Uh, and then, you know, maybe I hope I get rest for them for the next round. And then right now, Rangers, my number three, right now. Uh, Gibson was so great the other night, but Gibson's not consistent enough. And Syndergaard, I've seen him one game, and he gave up 11 hits in five innings. So right, right. now, in order, one to five, and I'm not going to use five, but in order, it would be Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Gibson, Syndergaard. Right, but see, that's for a uh, seven-game series. you got to get through the no, five I know. before I, you I know, get I know, to the seven. I'm just putting him in, in, in my you know, I, I understood what you were doing. Um, yeah, I would think about not going with your two best pitchers the first two games. That that if you now if you lose, let's say you that's, decide that's the thing. If I lose that first game, then I'm th- then resting then you, my hopes on no. You know, then Rangers. you got to come back. Um, you tell all three of your pitchers. Listen, we're flexible here. Um, nothing's written in stone other than who's starting game number one. And if you happen to lose that game, one nothing, two one unearned run, whatever it is, uh-oh, then you got to come back with your uh, number two guy in game number two because you got to get the game number three. But if you win game number one, mm. yeah, mm. I'll probably put Ranger out there in game number two and hold Nola back because if Ranger goes out and gets a job done for you, then you got Nola to start the next series. You're, you're coming with one of your two best to start your uh, now second series. So it's, it's a fun, debatable uh, uh Point and uh, hopefully we get to have it come uh, September, uh, October uh, when the Phillies actually do make the playoffs. Ah, oh, geez. One quick thing that Dan Wilson, our producer, sent us. We, talk, we spent more time talking about Mickey Moniak today than we ever did when he played for the Phillies. <laughs> he had his second home run yesterday, and then uh, apparently uh, it says on Twitter he was hit on the finger on a bunt attempt. X-rays were taken. Prognosis isn't good. Now, is he going to blame the Angels for having put him in there and gotten him hurt? I don't know. Whoever the pitcher was. Let's uh, let's grab a call or two here. John and Maniak, you're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, John. Glenn, how you doing, buddy? All I have right. to say thanks. I rode my bike up to the Conshohocken Brewing Company in Conshohocken. I mentioned your name, and they gave me a free IPA. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I appreciate it. Uh, they actually checked with me, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I knew all about it, and I'm delighted that you enjoyed it. Oh, they Scott, our man- cool. Scott, our manager out there, called me and said, some knucklehead named John says he knows you. <laughs> I said, all right, I'm give a him a beer. That's for sure. I'm a knucklehead. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, on the, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, on the Phillies, like we were just talking about the rotation. I think uh, they're, they're talking about Thor as the third starter in the playoff game. I mean, I agree with you guys. I would go with uh, Suarez and uh, Gibson, you know. Well, still, uh, what do we got, Jody? Six weeks? Yeah. There very, very much to be determined. If, yeah. if we were uh, to do it today, I think Jody and I – Jody, you said Suarez, too, for three, right, yep. over Gibson? Yeah. So, today, but there's there's a lot of time between here and there. Cool. I got a question for Jody. I know it's a New York-type thing. I got a lot of friends up there. I used to work up in New York. But uh, do you think up in New York – because they used to love Didi. He took over after Jeter. 
Do you think they'll pick up his contract for the last uh, rest of the year for nothing because the Phillies are paying? Right. Not outrageous. Um, the Yankees, right now I'm trying to think of the Yankee roster. Uh, they don't have a great backup infielder. Um, not an impossibility. Wouldn't be surprised if D.D. landed there. That that does make some sense because, yes, he was a very popular Yankee both in the clubhouse and with Yankee fans. Um, if you're talking about the 26th man on the roster, could they have an interest in a guy like uh, Didi? Yeah, I would not be surprised by that. I guess it's that Marwin Gonzalez is the uh, right. utility guy. And what Marlin, Marwin brings is he plays absolutely everywhere. Uh, he can play first. He can play second. He can play short. He can play third. He can play outfield. Didi isn't that. He is purely a, a shortstop. Uh, that's that. Ooh, that's debatable. Which would you rather have? I think you'd rather have Didi for the defense, and if he could uh, get his bat going a little bit, maybe a little bit on the offense. But I do like Gon- uh, Gonzalez's flex about flexibility. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We're gonna put some football into the next segment. Uh, and as Jody said, Merrill Reese is gonna join us at eleven. Kind of get people. Start thinking about the first preseason games in five days. You, uh, you, bre- Eagles, Jets, Jody, you breathless? Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> hey, forget, well, wait, let's not put the cart before the horse. Practice tonight. Actual practice oh, that Eagle yes. fans can be attended the for. Open practice. There you go. That's right. Always, that's, listen, you know what? We're going to, when we do later in the show, our This Week in Scheib Sports History, it's going to remind you when practice was something that people really could enjoy. 215-592-9494. Jody McLean Mac now on 94 WIP. Hey, it's back to school time. That means it's also time to drive the kids everywhere to and from school, sports practice, doctor's appointments, you name it. Luckily, United Tire has some sweet deals to make sure your car is in tip-top shape for the kiddos. Now, through September 30th, United, United Tire is offering a rebate of up to $150 on select Goodyear tires. Stop by your local United Tire today. Take advantage of these A-plus deals while they last. Don't drive alone. Drive. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. 
here to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. United. Thank you, Philadelphia Eagle fans. You know... I feel so close to you guys. I, I feel that I know each one of you personally. So thank you for being here as fans. Thank you, you fans at home that accept me as part of your community. Unbelievable. That was Dick Vermeil yesterday afternoon uh, at his Hall of Fame induction. I, I watched the speech, Joe. I don't know if you had a chance to yes. do it. He's, he's a little rambly, but, but great, you know, just so likable. Youngest-looking 85-year-old man in the world. Yeah, I saw you tweet that, which is dead on point. He does. He doesn't look a day over 60. Um, Here's the thing that I came away with uh, after watching Dick, and I had it on live at the time. Um, And, oh, by the way, the eight minutes went well by the boys when we had him on last (laughs) week. I got the speech down to 6.57. I think I'm going to be able to do eight minutes. No, he was almost 20. And he was last, and no one else had gone extremely long, so they were going to give Dick as much time as he needed. And he took it. And to his credit, even though he was almost guaranteeing that he was going to cry, he got choked up when he was talking about his wife, understandably so, but the tears did not flow as many of us thought they might. Uh, here's the thing that just grabbed me about Dick's speech. Was there anyone he didn't thank? Well, yeah. He That's just kept going on about everyone else, and he almost never mentioned himself. It was all about what everybody else had done, contributed to, took him in, made him better, gave him the opportunity. He thanked more people than I've ever heard in any individual speech ever. And he kept apologizing because he knew he was going to leave somebody out. And he didn't want to leave anybody out. So he just kept going and going and going and going. And we know Dick Vermeil well enough to know that that's exactly the kind of person he is. Oh, yeah. More than 300 former players of his came out to see him from those high school guys. Right. Who are in their mid-70s now. To, you know, the last players he had with Kansas City and Andy Reid came out and uh, gave a shout out to Ray, which was yes. kind of nice. Yes. Uh, really nice. Um, he did leave out a couple of guys that I know he's going to regret. Uh, he, he didn't mention Jaws or he didn't mention. Um, no, he mentioned <sighs> Jaws. Did he? Yeah. Okay, then I Or maybe it. they showed a picture of Jaws. Uh, they showed Jaws. They showed Jaws. Yeah, I don't think he mentioned Jaws or Harold Carmichael or Bill Berge. Oh, or no, I Stan. know he mentioned Carmichael. Oh, he did mention Carmichael. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. okay, well, I hope he got everybody in. And even if he you didn't, You know who's I think the one guy knows. he forgot? And I got a tweet on this on CBS Sports Radio last night. Hmm. He didn't mention Vince Papali. And oh. I thought for sure he'd go to Vince. Vince helped to make uh, Dick Vermeil a feature film star yeah 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 by the way the actor who played that greg kinnear will come up later today okay on what we're watching coincidentally 
So here's the question I have for you, and it was great, and, and I'm, we're just so happy for Dick. And, again, appreciate that he came on with us last week. He is the greatest guy. He really is. Harold Carmichael got in in 2020. Uh, Brian Dawkins of the Eagles got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018. Um, I'm trying to – Mark Howe, I guess, is the last flyer to get in. Oh, maybe Lindros. I don't know. I could – whatever. You know, we've had a few recently – who is the next Philadelphia athlete, current or already retired, who will get into his sports hall of fame? Before you answer, I think well, I want to see what you say, but I I, I have a very strong opinion on who it's gonna be, but I want to see if you say somebody else. Oh, I don't think that there's anybody that you would say there should be a strong opinion about it. Is is uh, am I missing somebody off the top of my head? Yeah, I think you're missing one. Okay, missing... all right, then uh, please uh, enlighten me. I think Jason Kelsey's a shoe in when he retires. Maybe not immediately, because guys tend yeah, to have to wait no, a few years in the no, NFL. No, 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 no. Last um, night was a perfect example of it. Guys, wait. Cliff Branch to me was an unquestioned Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He went twenty plus years through the writers. Had to wait to the veterans, unfortunately passed away three years ago, and I know his family was honored and his sister gave a very nice speech yesterday, but the the Hall of Fame for football is a slow-moving beast. It is, but I'll give you a Cliff Branch fell through the cracks, and there's a few reasons for that. Uh, the biggest one being I think the game changed not that long after he left it so that his statistics – don't look impressive in hindsight. You know, they talked about, uh, you know, the, the year he had 1,100 receiving yards. Well, these days, 20 guys have that. And so I think that the, his statistics hurt him. And I also think while he was a, an excellent player, and yeah, wide receivers tend to get more attention, he was not front of mind. There are a lot of others. I think with Kelsey, he is regarded almost universally as one of the great centers of the last 25, 30 years. Again, I don't think he's going to get in first ballot, but I think he'll get in. I think he's a good bet to get in. And I, I and part of the reason I give you the answer is, I, I don't know who else. Is LaShawn McCoy going to make the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I don't either. I mean, he's got stats, but I don't, I don't think so. Uh, we talked last week about Rollins Utley and how they're kind of deserved, but I don't think they're going to make it certainly anytime soon. The voting doesn't suggest that. Uh, Dan Wilson, you had a name, much to my chagrin. Yeah, it's not exactly a fan favorite, and he's not known for what he did in Philadelphia so much, but how about Andre Iguodala? Guy played 18 years in the league, finals MVP. He started his career with Philadelphia, and just by the nature of the sport he plays, I would say he probably gets in, and it's a faster-moving Hall of Fame. I would say he probably, there's a very good chance he gets in before a guy like Kelsey does. Jody, we we claim him? Um, Yes, we claim him, but... I'm just giving one man's opinion. I don't think of him as a Hall of Famer. Plain and simple. I know he won the MVP of the finals, which uh, there are only so many of those that have actually gone down. Steph Curry finally got one this year, but he hadn't had one before because Iguodala got one and Durant got two. And it's it's a significant achievement. But, yeah, I'm sorry. I just don't think of Andre Iguodala as a Hall of Famer. I'm not necessarily suggesting that he should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying by nature of that Hall of Fame, I feel like he will be. I think he's got a... Good shot. I, 
I hope he doesn't get it before Kelsey. Uh, And I don't think there's any flyers currently that are kind of being shorted. So I will throw that out there as a question if anybody. Let me me give you one other aspect of the Kelsey thing. And I'm not, again, uh, we need to qualify everything we say. I think of Jason Kelsey as a Hall of Famer, more so than Andre Iguodala, as a matter of fact. But you're talking about timing. I had Gary Myers on, who I know you know, a great NFL writer for years, uh, is one of the 49 Hall of Fame voters. I had him on my CBS show last night, Um, and he explained the way the process works and how he and his 48 other voters, I think that's the number, uh, go about it and have been doing it and track uh, recording their performance. They... Like to, if if there's not a guy who's an un, unquestioned first ballot Hall of Famer, first time he gets on a ballot, boom, you got to put him in. They do usually move them through the process in an order. Like if a guy's been waiting two or three, all right, he's been waiting longer. These guys are comparable. Let's put the guy who's been waiting 10 years in before the guy who's been mm-hmm. waiting three years. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with a bunch of offensive linemen over the last however many votes they had. Uh, Kevin Mawai, uh, Alan Fanica, there's someone else I'm forgetting. Well, Baselli got in yesterday. Right. So Baselli was the last of that group. He had been waiting the least of the others who had been waiting longer, and they usually only put one guy in per year. There's almost never two offensive linemen that go in at the same time. Uh, so I'd have to go through the list of guys who are uh, making the final 50 or whatever and have been waiting for a while by the time Kelsey retires. And, oh, by the way, Glenn, the reason you're going to be wrong is Kelsey's never going to retire. He's just going to keep <laughs> playing. He's never going to actually <laughs> be eligible okay. for the Hall of Fame because yeah. he's going to play until he's 45 like Tom Brady. It's okay with me. By the way, our uh, colleague Jack Fritz just tossed me a name, which may work. I'm going to leave it for the callers, but Jack gave me a name that may – may get there before kelsey that uh, eluded us let's go to will in collegeville you're on with jody and glenn hey will good morning gentlemen first of all let me just say it's so nice to hear to hear you, you the both of you together to, together again i just i i truly enjoy uh, listening to to the back and forth between the both of you um Thanks. you know you're welcome um first of all going back to the phillies um you know, Glenn and Jody, I agree agree with you wholeheartedly about the fact that look, they've got they've got some you know teams that hey look they should be sweeping they should be winning you know three out of four four out of four three out of three and all that and you know what that's the that's the nature of the baseball schedule and so and I really would like to build that cushion in the especially in the wild card because right now we're only a game up I believe on Milwaukee and I would really like to start building that cushion with these, with these wins. Um, I, I think a lot of, and I just, I have to go back to Rob Thompson. I'm a huge fan of the guy, just such no nonsense. And, you know, he seems to really, to me, have the knowledge of, Hey, the pitcher's going to pitch out of the jam or no, it's time to pull, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's just nice. It's refreshing to see some of the basics um, back in this team. This team obviously, you know, plays harder under him. Um, mm-hmm. But but the point that I wanted to really make today is taking my mom today to the to the Phillies game because Pete Rose was her absolute favorite player um, from the area. I mean, she's got signed memorabilia from him, so I'm excited about that. But I have a question, and I wanted to pose to you. I believe it's time for somebody else to be on that wall of fame, and I believe that name um, is Lenny Dykstra. And I wanted to know your thoughts, gentlemen, on, on that. I know the guy – 
you know, I, I has, so disagree because, well, I, I so disagree. And I also disagree that Pete should be there. And I'm glad that you and your mom will have a great time today and applaud. And that, is, that is certainly your right. Um, I think Pete is a guy who was disinvited five years ago because the story came out that he did not deny that he had a sexual affair with a young teenage girl while he was a married man. Uh, he said, I thought she was 16. She wasn't. Uh, and even if you thought she was 16, she was 16. Um, and this is separate from all of the gambling. I think Pete Rose is just is a, I want to say this as, as carefully as I can, is a poor excuse for a human being. And I think the same about Lenny Dykstra. Now, Jody, you can make the argument that you can totally separate someone's personality, not even personality, someone's uh, behavior, legal issues, um, who he is from his performance and him as a showman. And I can often do that. Uh, I can't do it with those two guys. And here's where I'll draw the line. You used to accuse me when we were partners of hedging. I, I see the world in the gray area in the middle. Everybody needs to get to the diametrically opposite ends of black and white. And there are certain issues and things that you need to do that. But there's a whole bunch of gray area in the middle. So I'll find a nice compromise spot here in the middle. Pete Rose coming out for one day, gets to tip his cap. The people that adored him and just thought he was the reason that the Phillies won a world said they want to have their day to be able to acknowledge and clap their guy. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll swallow uh, hard and, and just uh, wave as well. But if you're talking about being put on a memoriam, on a wall, where every single day somebody's going to be able to go out there and acknowledge and remember and think about. No, that's where I think you need to set some standards. If it's just a one-day appearance in a ballpark and uh, you're doing it for a certain segment of your population and it's going to be over and done with in you know, 20 minutes that day for the entire length of the day of the game, whatever. No, if you're honoring someone, that's where I think you do have to take character into consideration. Fair enough. I mean, that's, that's, that's a... Extremely valid point. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, Merrill Reese coming up at 11. Uh, we are always looking forward to that right here on 95 WIP. Hey, the summer heat means it's that time of year to crank up the AC again. Now, to keep your home cooling more efficiently and then help you on high energy bills, I suggest you go Guida and finally replace your old drafty, inefficient windows and doors with the good people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best summer discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. You'll receive 40% off each window you buy. Yep, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient triple-pane windows. And you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, get your project started today with no money down. Pay it off interest-free for up to 18 full months. All prior sales excluded. Minimum purchase required. Don't let this pass you by. Go guide it today. Call the schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guide or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-A-G-U-I-D-A.com. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now taking you up to leading off today. Phillies against the Washington Nationals. Uh, one thirty-five start on that one. And, Jody, we talked about the schedule earlier. After you finish this one against the Nationals, you stay home and face the Marlins for three. Uh, then they're up to New York to play the Mets for three. Tough series. Uh, and then they're back home to play the Reds. 
So that's a pretty good schedule. All right. They get a uh, Mets-Reds grouping. Uh, play the Mets, play the Reds, play the Mets, play the Reds on the right. road and at home. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, you try and play 500 baseball against the Mets. You got six games against them. If you, or is it seven? Now they got seven. Uh, so, yeah, you'll try and get uh, four out of the seven. If you get three out of the seven, it's uh, not going to crush the season. Oh, do what you've been doing to all the other bad teams. Get minimum of four, if not five out of six, against the Reds. And if you get all six, yeah, they'll be in real good position. Then you got the Pirates. Then you got the Diamondbacks. I mean, you know what? And somebody texted me about this. It's a lot like the Eagles' schedule last year, right? You beat those, you beat those bad teams, you make the playoffs. But here's the reason why it's uh, difficult to compare baseball and football. Football is one game. You're yep. supposed to beat the teams you beat. It's one day. It's one game. You either win it or you don't. Baseball are usually three or four game series, and you can have a loss. You can, you can drop one. But if you get three out of four, that's a hell of a series. So it is a little different when you're comping sure. football and baseball. By the way, I got to uh, remind people that today is our Shibe Sports giveaway to the best caller of the day. $50 gift card to Shibe Sports, where there's a story in every, spitch, in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or visit shibesports.com. Best call over the day, as always, judged by Dan Wilson. All right, let's see. Got a caller or two in here before we take the break and talk to Merrill. John in Plymouth Meeting. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Gentlemen, good morning. Hey. Good morning. Um, Jody, I respect your uh, baseball knowledge, your passion. I consider you a purist, but you said something a little earlier in the hour that sounded concerningly like Joe Girardi because – he was always managing for tomorrow, and your suggestion that the Phillies hold back either Nola or Wheeler in a um, playoff series, I think you have to win for today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So, All right. I, I, I'll, I'll defend myself, Joe, if that's okay. How many three-game baseball playoff series have we ever had? Not many. Uh, I'll give you the number. Zero. Never really happened before. So we're talking about something that there's no track record to judge before. You're talking about a theory, which is fine, and your theory is holds as much water as mine, but I think mine holds as much as yours. If they win that first game, if Wheeler goes out and throws eight innings of shutout ball and you're up one to nothing, put your next best guy in, because we all, I think, will acknowledge there's a drop-off between two and three of the Phillies' starting pitchers, even if you lose, you've got your starter ready to go in game number three. And the other team will probably have to put their two best starters out there first. So you're going to have your 1A against their three in the deciding game. That's where I want to be. Now you take the Philly glance at it. Well, we get the first two. Ranger finds a way to win. Now you got Nola to start the next series. So you've got yourself a good footing in the next series. I actually stand by my stance. Well, the other thing, everybody kind of makes the assumption that the Phillies may be in a position to set up their rotation entering the playoffs. That's true, too. Well, it's probably going to sure. get under the wire. And the last three games of the series of the season are makeup games from the first week of the season that were washed out, and they play Houston in Houston. And Houston may need those games mm. uh, for the best record in the American League against because the Yankees have been in a slump lately. Yeah. So, Again, nobody well, that can change stuff. it all, and and that is correct. I mean, you can't line up the postseason until you make the playoffs. Yep. That's a fair that's a fair point, John. And 
I'm neither Jody or nor I is in a real position to speculate like, you know, what's who what's going to be happening out. in game yeah. 61 <laughs> and how much they're going to need it. I don't know that yet. I think there's a very good chance. I'll I'll support his point to this degree. There's a very good chance the Phillies are not going to be able to cruise into that last week and say like, "Okay, we're going to rest all our regulars and get Bailey Falter back for, you know, I don't think that's going to happen." But you know, I you I would agree to win but... it with Gibson. Here's the one thing you also have to keep in the mix. Um, whoever they're going to be playing in the first round is just as likely to yep. need to win game 160, 161, and 162 Correct. for their own playoff positioning. So if the Phillies don't have the luxury of setting up their rotation the way they want, chances are the team they're going to be playing in that first round is not going to be able to do it either. You know what is fun? What is fun is, and I know that we've been here before. I know that last year in August, the things were looking good. I feel differently about this year. We can discuss that later in the show. But I love the fact that I really do think we are now in, you know, into August and have reason to believe we're going to have a postseason. Uh, let's get Stephen Westchester. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey. Um, hey, Glenn, I just want to say first, uh, I think it's awesome that you respond on Facebook. Oh, I, sure. I think that's pretty cool. I appreciate and, it. Yeah. The trade deadline, uh, we got rid of three stiffs, and actually we got three good guys back. Robertson can be a closer. We have speed in center field, and Syndergaard will be a five. But we actually got five guys back because we're getting Harper and Segura. And that's huge. Yep. Yeah, and Segura's look pretty good, Jody. Well rested. <laughs> He's yeah. got the last couple of months <laughs> off. He looks very fresh out there. Yes, he does. And, uh, Jody, you're right on winning series. So all you have to do is win every series. Keep which winning is series. Easier, easier said than done. Pardon me? Keep winning series. They've been doing that. They need to keep doing that. And when you get a bad team like this one, the Nats, in a four-game series, you definitely have to win this series. Splitting is not good enough. Sweeps are very nice, and that's exactly what they're going for today. I don't know how many times the Nats play San Diego through the rest of the year. They may not play them at all in different divisions. But I will say that uh, that trade that they made not only helped the Padres, but, boy, it's going to help the Phillies down the road since they play uh, Washington every other day. And uh, just let me ask you this, Glenn, uh, however uh, much attention you've played to the last couple games, I always check Luke Voigt's face every time they come to uh. a shot of him. <laughs> Man, did he get yeah, he screwed. The, he got the short end of the stick. Oh, my he? God, did he get – he's on San Diego. They're heading yeah, to the playoffs. Right. He's dodging the ball. Oh, Eric Cosmo goes, no, and no, no, Hosmer no. Hosmer won't I, take the trade. That's right. I'm not, I'm not going to Washington, so they yeah. got to put him into the deal, and he goes from being the Padres with probably a bigger role if Hosmer is dealt. Uh, no, 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 no. You go to Washington instead. Yeah, the guy just looks uh, like he would rather be anywhere else than playing against the Phillies this weekend. Yeah, very good point. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it will be our pleasure to talk to the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. We are headed, as Jody mentioned, you have the open practice tonight. you got the preseason next Friday. Tick, tick, ticking down to the start of the 22 football season. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. All right, all right, all right. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now. And after all of the waiting and the stories and the tweets and 
Oh, just the endless, endless waiting we have had tonight. Well, tonight there's going to be an open practice, and then next Friday night, 7.30 at the link, football is back. Well, at least preseason football, and the voice of the Eagles yet again will be our pal Merrill Reese, the dean of NFL broadcasters. Merrill, it's going to be great to hear you. Well, it's going to be great to be back in the booth and doing a game. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, as much as it is a game, and I know you you are much more geek for these preseason games than I am, and I think that's great. By the way, if my math is correct, it's your 25th with my quick? I think so. I, I, think. I know it's my 46th, and yeah. I think it's it may be his 26th. Oh, okay. I just say the stability is great. The talent and the chemistry between you guys is great. Uh, on a personal but, note. Well, the, friendship, the friendship is great. Absolutely. And, and I think that comes across. And it does. And um, I don't want to reveal much, but I'm looking forward to a charity effort we're going to be doing together, the three of us in the fall. Uh, so let's let's start with this. Um, camp has been going for a few weeks. Now we do move to the preseason. We know that many, most of the regulars won't be playing next Friday night, but that does not mean there won't be specific things to watch for. Merrill, give us two, three players, position battle schemes, things that you're really looking forward to see on next Friday. Well, there, you see, I enjoy watching the rookies and the, the undrafted free agents fight for spots on the team. <clears throat> this is something I love every year. And uh, for somebody who, who just goes out to watch a football game, a competitive football game, you're never going to see that because it's, it's not the same. But if you follow this team closely and, and you look at these guys, you want to see how they look in game conditions. And I know the teams today put a lot of importance on these dual practices, which they'll have in Cleveland and they'll have in Miami. And for coaches, that may be fine. But I still believe that only a game is a game. And, and I wish, I wish we'd see a little more of Jalen Hurts in the preseason just to get his timing, but they don't do that anymore, and they are very, very conscious of arriving at the opening game with a healthy roster. But the, we'll see what we see. But I'm anxious to see Nicobe Dean, for example, uh, how he reacts in a game situation. Um, I'd love to see what uh, Jordan Davis can do in his first uh, time lining up against an enemy offensive line and what kind of havoc he can create. So I think there are a lot of things to look at. I think the, the, the department that I, they call it room now is the wide receiver room. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I think we know who the first three are, uh, or at least the first two for sure. And A.J. Brown, who has been the talk of camp, and Devontae Smith, who is coming off of a brilliant rookie year. And we assume that, uh, that Quez Watkins is the, the starting slot, but – Again, they brought in Zach Pascal, who uh, Nick knows from Indianapolis. And we have some other guys who are going to be fighting for spots who could be very, very interesting. Merrill, you did uh, mention a quarterback, which uh, it's not just here in Philadelphia where he is under the spotlight. That's every quarterback in the National Football League. Sure. Everybody wants to know about the guy who's going to be uh, getting the ball from the center. Uh, certainly a lot has been said and stated about Jalen, both optimistically, pessimistically. I want to get your take on one narrative, which I think, in my opinion, is it's been a little oversold. A lot has been talked about that this is the first year since high school that Jalen's playing under the same play caller that he did from the previous season. I, I understand the importance of it, 
but is it really as big a deal as people are making it out to be that because it is Sirianni, uh, who is his head coach for two years in a row, we know they changed play callers in the middle of last season, unbeknownst to a lot of us, um, but it is Shane Steichen who's going to be called him, who called him in the second half of last year. How big an advantage is that actually for Jalen Hurts this season? I, I think it's significant. I, I don't think it's the only factor, but I think it's, it's significant. I think it's a plus when you feel comfortable in that offense, when you feel that uh, you can get to the line of scrimmage and automatically check to a certain play, it becomes, uh, it makes everything else easier. So I do, Jody, think it's significant, but I don't think it's monumental. Okay. Um, I, I'll tell you what I think is, is even more important, and that is just the experience of playing. I mean, here's a guy who started only 20 games, and uh, we're very quick to judge our quarterbacks in this town. And they're great fans, and they're passionate fans, but they want a lot of people want instant results. I mean, we talk about the best quarterbacks in football, and every now and then somebody like Patrick Mahomes comes along and instantly takes command, and Joe Burrow did that in Cincinnati very, very rapidly. But go back, and, and probably there's no better quarterback in football than Aaron Rodgers. Do you realize that Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Packers in 2005 and sat in 2005, six and seven (laughs) before Favre departed and he became the man. That's three years of learning and adjusting to the NFL. How good was about three years from now or three years from yesterday, Drew Brees, we know will be inducted into the NFL hall of fame. How good was Drew Brees in his early years in San Diego, if he was that good, they never would have let him walk and, and never would have drafted Phillip Rivers. And Drew Brees is headed for the Hall of Fame. In many cases, it takes time. So I think, I think the development of, of Jalen Hurts will come, but I think it's going to take time. But here's the challenge. The challenge is, I think, you have a, you have a team around him that made the playoffs last year and is better this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited to see the defense. I'm very excited to see Jonathan Gannon be able to coach with talent, be able to coach talent as opposed to last year. I think he was trying to survive with what he had. Sure. Uh, you added A.J. Brown, who's clearly one of the top ten wide receivers in the league. Um, you have that great offensive line. You have a running game that works. So I think it puts more pressure on the quarterback to develop quickly because you don't want to waste a good year. Well, I, if you if you look at it that way, but I don't think it put more pressure on him. I take I think it takes some of the pressure off of him. He's going to have more time to throw. He's going to have more open receivers. He's going to have more experience behind him. I think he'll have less pressure from that standpoint. I think he's got more weapons to use at his disposal. I think he's. I think he's going to have a very, very good year. And the, the thing that drives me nuts more than anything else, and I, I hear it on the talk shows and I've read it in the newspapers, um, people allude to the fact that, that he lacks NFL, impressive NFL arm strength. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't true. He's got plenty of arm strength. There's not a pass he can't throw. In fact, and, and this is something I learned in measuring quarterbacks' pure arm strength, however they do it on the computer and with velocity and timing. He is in the top 15% in the NFL in just arm strength. 
I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I've been saying that for years as well, Merrill. I'm glad that you and I see that the same. All right. I uh, want to take your point about Jalen getting better just because of experience. How much better is Nick Sirianni going to be in his second year? Jalen's actually got more experience than Nick does because he got that little four-game head start at the end of the Dougie P era. How much better can we expect Sirianni to be here in year two? Well, I think I, I think that happens too. I, th- I think Nick did a very good job last year. I don't think he overreacted to the early criticism. He never lost his confidence. He just he just stuck with his program and. Even when everyone laughed at the flower analogy, uh, he didn't let it bother him. He never snapped at anybody. And he's built a culture, and the players like him, and they respond to him. And he's got a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of emotion. And and just being a coach, a head coach, for the second year and then the third year, they develop over time. Yesterday we saw Dick Vermeule. Uh, going into the Hall of Fame, which was well-deserved and a thrill for all of us. But I remember when the players used to call Dick Vermeil high school Harry in, in that first year when he came from UCLA. They were rolling their eyes. They, they thought he was going to kill them. But you know what? Dick adjusted, and over the and within two or three years, he became an excellent coach. And, and as years went on, um, his stop in St. Louis was classic where he took a bad team and won the Super Bowl three years later. And uh, every place he ever went, Kansas City, he did he did amazing things. But it took years. It took years. Look, I can tell you, uh, and, and this is in coaching, I can tell you when I was thrust into the broadcast booth back in 1977, now I had done a lot of games in college, and I had done games – um, in in the in the little radio stations where I worked, but I'm I'm thrust into that to do the play by play, and believe me, I I was plenty nervous, and it took a while for me to adjust to be able to see different things. And I can tell you that now, in my 46th year, I see things in the game. I see the field better than I ever saw the field. I saw I see things each year that I didn't see the year before. Uh, which leads me to my next question. I always enjoy getting from you kind of your sleepers, your guys. You watch practice closely. You judge the talent. You were you, you were big on Greg Ward before anybody. He made this team the last couple of years. He contributed. So when we watch preseason <laughs> games. He, now, now he's fighting for a roster spot. He's, fighting, he's fighting for a roster spot. You know what? I wouldn't. He's got a shot. You know, they bring in A.J. Brown. They bring in Pascal. That hurts. We'll see. He may make it over Rager this year. I, I want to see how that plays out. But I, I, when I watch on Friday night, and I'll be hosting the pregame show down at the stadium, we'll have you as a guest. Give me one or two guys who popped in camp for you, any position. Well, there's one guy who I cannot wait to see as in, in a special teams role, and that is the return man out of Utah. Do you know there there were Saturday nights when I found out that Utah was on television like on an 11 o'clock game, and I stayed up to watch Britton Covey. Uh, this, oh, this, yeah. kid, this kid is electric. Now, I want to see how those skills, those punt return skills, uh, it translate to the NFL. Because uh, the, the coaches will point out, and Michael Clay pointed this out the other day, that in college, 
you have everybody coming down. You have linemen coming down and, well, on coverage and uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen. The, the special teams are not quite as quick to coverage teams as they are in the NFL. In the NFL, you have guys who are running 4-4 and 4-3 racing downfield. The speed and the athleticism in the composition of the special teams is much greater. But I can tell you this. Here's a guy who's a little bit older. He's going to be 26 because I think he served a mission at some point while he was in college. And he's, he's small. He's about 5'8", maybe 170 pounds. But boy, if, if he is what I think he is, he can change the field. He can flip the field. He can put this team in great position when they get the football. And that's big. That's really big. I can't wait to see him return the ball against the Jets. Merrill, instead of a newbie, I'm going to go to a tried and true and tested veteran to ask you next. Last year wasn't Fletcher Cox's best year. Statistics weren't great. At times, he kind of questioned the way Gannon was using him, and Gannon didn't know how to best use Fletcher. Off-season additions, they've got the big kid, Jordan Davis, now to take attention on the tackle position inside, Hassan Reddick outside to actually get double-digit sacks. What's the chance of Fletcher this year, with the spotlight being off him some, bouncing back and having a big season? I think it's pretty good. I, I think it's pretty good for this reason, Jody. I don't think he has to play as much. I think he's going to be rested, and I think he can go in and go all out on every single play. You know, I've learned something from every coach I've ever been around, except for Chip Kelly, where I learned nothing. But <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've learned something from every single coach. And one of the things that I learned from Buddy Ryan, he told me, he said, no player on any roster takes the beating that the defensive tackle takes. He is hit and pounded and absolutely brutalized on every single play. And that accumulates over the years. That's why you heard last year, you heard Aaron Donald talk about thinking about maybe I've had enough. Yeah. And, and he was at his peak. Fletcher, Fletcher had some brilliant all-pro years. And I think that body takes a pounding, and I think he will benefit by playing less this year and being used where he can go full force. And I think he has the skills. I know he has the desire, and I think he can make a greater impact. Merrill, I want to change the subject for a moment because uh, this last week Vin Scully passed away, um, and you have achieved – uh, an excellence both in terms of the quality of your work and the longevity of your work. And, Merrill, if you go in about another 25 years, you may catch Vin Scully. Um, I, I just, but, I'll, but I'll be 125 then. Oh, there you go. Um, I'm just, you know, as somebody who's in the business but also studies the business, I'm curious what you think about his – his style, his body of work, whatever whatever tribute you, you want to give here. Everything about him was, was wonderful. Uh, from the time he came out of Fordham and went to the Brooklyn Dodgers, um, he was wonderful. Uh, my only regret is that I didn't get to hear him as often as I would have liked, although my son in California, Nolan, would sometimes call me and put the phone next to the radio and let me listen to Vin Scully. Oh, wow. But, yeah, he would. And, and no one could appreciate him every night. 
But Vince Scully was amazing. And, and I'll give you the greatest compliment that you can give Vince Scully. I did a book uh, a number of years ago called Sportscasting, Turning Your Passion into a Profession. And I interviewed different people about different aspects of the game. I interviewed Bill Campbell about interviewing. Uh, I interviewed Beasley Reese at the time about TV sportscasting, the TV sports anchor. And the person I interviewed about baseball, and it was it was sadly less than a month before he passed away, was Harry Callis. And we sat down at the the Newtown Grill, and we talked for about two hours. And Harry told me great stories and told me a million things about baseball broadcasting. And as we, we got up to leave the restaurant, I said, Harry, it's, it's wonderful to sit with you. You are the absolute best. And he, he said to me, Merrill, he said, no, I'm not. He said, Vin Scully <laughs> is the absolute best. Yeah, I listen. I agree. I I love the way he painted a picture. You know, baseball is different than football, right? You are there. You're you're reporting. The it's the action is happening fast. He's got a lot more downtime, but man, he could tell a story. He could paint see, a picture. See, see, you've got it. You you understand that. You see, people say to me, "What's the toughest sport to do?" And I think it's I think it's baseball. I mean, people say, "Well, look at the speed of hockey, and look at the things in football." And, all of this, I, I think it's baseball because you've got – I don't think for any sportscaster uh, worth his salt, I, I don't think speed is a problem. I think sustaining interest is the biggest thing. Uh, the, the fact that he could weave a, weave the play-by-play into a story, he would work by himself. Yeah. And he was absolutely amazing. He could hold you. It could be a 10-1 game, and he would keep you listening with the things that he could bring out. He was he was absolutely wonderful. I thought yeah. he just he, – he was, he was amazing in, in that regard. And you would be transfixed just listening to Vince Scully tell the stories. But that that's what made him so very, very special, the fact that he communicated so well. He had so much research, so much knowledge at his fingertips. You, he got to know the players. He could bring them into your house. You almost felt like you knew them because of the way he communicated. Yep. It was incredible. And, you know, I never got to meet him. I never got uh, to meet him. Uh, I would have loved to have met him. And he's, I just never got to meet him. I got maybe 90 seconds once, which was which was still a pleasure. Him. Last time he was traveling with the team, which might have been 2015, something around then, uh, I specifically went to watch a game in the press box because I knew he'd be broadcasting. I waited outside the, the broadcast room like a groupie uh, when he came out. He's probably on his way to the men's room. I just grabbed him for a minute, shook his hand, and told him how much I admired him, and that was, that was enough. It was pretty well, I, And I had, I had a similar type experience where I got to actually have a long lunch twice uh, with Jack Whitaker when he was in his 90s. And to sit and hear his war stories was amazing. Yeah, great, great. And, Merrill, listen, you're among those greats. I am so excited that, hey, it's the preseason. You enjoy it more than I do. 
But nonetheless, we'll be doing the pregame show. I'll be talking and chatting with you next Friday. It'll put the ball on the tee, and we'll have another season, Merrill. I put the ball on the tee. That just gave me an idea of what I might do. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, there you go. Good for you, Merrill. Hit him Enjoy long that. and strong. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Merrill. Hey, guys, it's great speaking with you. Have a great day. All right, Bye-bye. thank you so much. Jody, I didn't get to ask you your thoughts. I mean, you're, you're, you're as bred, born and bred a baseball guy as anybody, and you have watched and listened to thousands and thousands of games. What's your Vince Scully takeaway? I, I did get to meet Mr. Scully a couple times, um, more so early before I ever got into the business because I believe he was a Fordham grad the year before my father was a Fordham oh, grad. Oh, wow. Yes, uh, both are former uh, Rams and uh, both worked for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So my father knew Vince Scully pretty darn well, so I met him at Chase Stadium a bunch of times when I was still in my late teens, uh, early 20s, because uh, my father knew Vin for a long time. So uh, uh, he always gave me uh, my time because I was with my dad, and he knew my dad and loved my dad, and they were uh, fairly tight, so it's always, hey, Jody, how are you? And he couldn't be more friendly than he was. Um, but I didn't, again, uh, I thought you said it well, um, like a groupie waiting outside the broadcast booth just said that. That's exactly what I was doing. Exactly. And I never wanted to do that because I did know him and uh, yeah, I hadn't sure. met him before I'd ever got into broadcasting itself. Uh, so I, I tried to allow others the chance if I ever saw him in a press box at a game, same day, whatever. Uh, he's always surrounded by people, so I didn't want to go over and uh, butt in. I, I appreciate him as the greatest play-by-play caller in the history of the game, and I did get a chance to know when, when I was a young man, but uh, not near as much thereafter. Yeah, well, one of the greats, and I went back this last week and listened to a few of his calls, and, you know, there's the famous ones. There's the, the Hank Aaron home run. There's the Kirk Gibson play. There's the Buckner play. Um, there's the catch in the NFL. Right. But what I found that I enjoyed the most was – the ninth inning, the bottom, well, not the bottom, the top of the ninth inning of his perfect game against the Cubs in 1965, which is all of six minutes because Sandy Koufax is going to get three guys out quickly. <laughs> and just the way he sets it up and tells you the time and place and the history was just, man, it was the best six minutes that I listened to all week. And he did a lot of uh, his work in his later years by himself. He did a solo booth thing, which is sure as hell not easy, but you can't tell the difference whether he's working with a partner or whether he's doing a show. It's just seamless. Everything he did was seamless, which tells you why he's the greatest play-by-play baseball guy of all time. Love him. 215-592-9494. We'll take some of your calls in the next segment. Also in the next segment, what we're watching. Oh, 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 oh. So we put out a call a couple weeks ago that uh, probably was time to stop playing the What We're Watching with uh, Glenn and Ray. And so um, I asked uh, Battle, who's our sound guy, to come up with some some stuff, one with Mike on Saturday, one with Jody on Sunday. The way What We're Watching is going to work moving forward is it's not going to be wedded to either Saturday or Sunday. If Jody's got something he wants to review, we'll do it Sunday. Mike, Saturday, I could do either day. So you got to stay tuned every day at 1125. But... It's the new sounder. I have to tell you, Jody, I'm delighted with it, and I, 
I'm eager to hear what you think as well. I have not heard it. I, I did, did you send it to me via email? I sent email it to you, yeah, something? the other night. Yeah, you yeah, didn't respond, yeah, so yeah, I figured yeah. it probably just passed through I your I probably stuff. missed the email, so that's yeah. my bad. Oh, so, good. You'll but hear it here's the, the good news. I was going to say, the good news is I will be able to respond to it with a fresh set of ears. Yeah, nice. And I will also tell you that the I'm going to review a drama that i am watched five out of six episodes. I like it a lot. I'm going to highly recommend it. And Two one five. Yep. I'll tell you why I couldn't watch it. Funny story as to you. You did. You reached out to me on Friday, and I was going to try and uh, get to at least one or two episodes. There's a specific reason I couldn't. Okay. I'm we'll putting the, all of that. I'm putting the blame on somebody else. That's fine. I've been known <laughs> to do that myself. <laughs> the wife? Uh, no, younger. The daughter. Yes. Okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll hear. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, hey, it's back to school time, and that means it's also time to drive the kids everywhere. To and from school, sports practice, doctor's appointments, you name it. Luckily, United Tire has some sweet deals to make sure your car is in tip-top shape for your kiddos. Now through September 30th, United Tire is offering a rebate of up to $150 on select Goodyear tires. Stop by your local United Tire today and take advantage of these A-plus deals while they last. Don't drive alone. Drive United. All right. I have to say I'm delighted. I am completely delighted. That took some work. Yes. So I want to thank our listeners because we put out on social media the last couple of weeks that we wanted to get some fresh sound bites. I thought, you know, maybe it's time to retire Caddyshack 40 years after the movie came out. So let's get all stuff that's at least from the 21st century. And I got a ton of suggestions, and I kind of sifted through them. And I said, I, I'll do this movie one. I'll do this TV. We, did, we threw Anchorman in there, Almost Famous in there. I don't know how many you recognize, Jody. I know it's a – you know what? Let's play one more time, Jody, and you can you can hear it one more time. Do it, okay. Dan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It's time for What We're Watching. That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. The best in current movies and TV. Boy. That escalated quickly. I am a golden god! With Glenn and Jody. And the winner is Jody. My bestie, Jody. Is this Jody? Pretty, 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 pretty good. There you go. Uh, I like it a lot. And uh, I, I could give you 10 guesses. You'll never guess the thing that I like most about it. It's just plain stupid, but that's me. Is that Jody? No. Oh, what? The fact Mary? that Sludge is still at the start yes. of it. Yes, yes. And I'm the, so glad you said that. It's tied to what it used to be, bringing yes. it into the new era. And Sludge is the anchor that keeps it tied to what it was. 99.9% of the people have no idea what I'm talking about Thank you. when I say I Sludge, but you do. So Brian Haddad, who used to work for our station, who had the nickname Sludge, not one of the more complimentary nicknames anybody ever had, but it's... In radio, you get these things. Uh, and he it, was, since, it was deserved because he was sludge. <laughs> he has since moved and on. I can say that because he's my friend. He's a great guy working in Chicago. Got married, expecting a baby, all good things going on in his life. Right. And I wanted to try to keep his voice. I'm so glad that that meant something to you because it meant something to me. He did such a good job with it. So I went to uh, Matt Pataglia, who now does this stuff, and I said, can you – can you put in these sound bites? And I sent him the half dozen sound bites. I said, but can you do it around Brian Sludge? Because it's not easy to do all that editing. And he did. And it worked. And there you go. So there you have it. 
I, if you're asking me thumbs up, thumb down, it's two thumbs up. Love it for uh, several different reasons. Thank you much for including me in it. Absolutely. Um, and as I said, it, it's going to be um, Saturday or Sunday or both, depending on who's watching what. I just, listen, I love Ray dearly. Ray never watched TV and went out to like three movies a year. I will be honest and say I felt a bit of a burden with you and with Mike. Yeah, I know you guys will do stuff. Uh, so, yes, and I, but I'm apologizing ahead of time for not doing what you asked me you to do. You don't have to do. watch the shows that I watch, you well, know, but whatever. No, but I like your suggestions because usually they're very good. And this specific one you were asking me for was something uh, with Dennis Lehane, something yeah. you and I both do. Yeah. If we like an author, chances are we're going to like their television work. Correct. Uh, Michael Conley, Harlan Coben, mm-hmm. and Dennis Lehane is a, a mystery slash uh, uh, cop slash lawyer writer who I enjoy crime. a great yeah. deal, crime writer. So I thought, oh, this will work for me because uh, uh, you and I hit on about eight out of ten. Two out of every ten, I go, well, what the hell is Mac now talking about here? <laughs> I don't like this show a little bit. But uh, okay. when it when it comes tied to a guy that I do like as an author, I'm, I'm going in with a positive attitude. So I say, all right, let me check this out. It's on Apple+. Plus. Um, I told you previously on one of our shows together, I get Apple+. Plus because of my daughter. Sure. She gets it, and you're allowed two different devices, so I'm allowed to log in. So it's Friday night, and I said, all right, let me get an episode in for Mac before we do this over the weekend. And the Phillies are on Apple+. Plus. Yeah. So I'm watching the Phillies on Apple+, and my daughter's watching at her house, and I'm watching here in New Jersey, and the Phillies are up 7-1, and it's the fifth or sixth inning. I said, all right, let me check out a couple other baseball games or whatever. So I jump around to a couple different things. I log back on to Apple Plus to watch the end of the Phillies, and then I'm going to go uh, and watch the first episode of Blackbird. I go to log in, and it says, sorry, logged in on too many devices. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because my daughter had been watching it down in her TV room in her apartment and then had moved up to her bedroom to oh, go so to bed two and watch at a time. Okay. Correct. So you need her to get off one. I needed her to get off one of the two for me to log on. She goes, "Dad, I'm in bed. I'm not getting out of bed. You're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going All and right, logging uh, out of the other one." So I right. didn't watch the last three innings of the Phillies game. Thank God they were up seven to one, yeah, and yeah, I also didn't get to see Blackbird. Sorry. Oh well, that's okay. And that is the show Blackbird, and it is on Apple TV Plus. Uh, and it is by Dennis Lehane, as Jody said. He of Mystic River and Shutter Island and Oh, Gone Baby Gone. I mean, that's really good stuff. Yep. This is a six-episode crime drama. Uh, it is based on an autobiographical novel and centers on, Jody, centers on it. The character is a 25-ish bro, very smug, pretty boy, college football star who didn't make it, turns to dealing drugs and guns. He gets busted, gets 10 years without parole, but he's offered a, a second deal, a second, well, not a second chance, but a second deal for an early release. All he's got to do is transfer to a prison for the criminally insane, undercover, gain the trust of an alleged serial killer enough that the serial killer caresses, ca- caresses confesses some of his gruesome crimes to this guy because they think the serial killer is going to get off. This is not an easy choice. This is not an easy task. That is the setup. So our our guy goes to the new prison, 
he's in a cell next to like John Wayne Gacy, right, or Jeffrey Dahmer, like this 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 kind of loopy, crazy mass murder, at least you think, and you sense that the cocky drug dealer may be a little over his head. From there, there's plot twists. Again, there's only six episodes, so you can you can binge this thing fast. There's this underlying sense that maybe the alleged mass murderer is somebody who just likes confessing to things he didn't do. Right, he's a serial confessor as opposed to serial murderer, right. and they put that in your mind, so you're not really sure. Uh, there's also the moment when our undercover guy gets discovered by a um, dirty prison cop, and so how's that going to play out? Lots and twists and turns for six hours. I've not seen either of the lead actors before; they're they're both excellent. You will. We I mentioned Greg Kinnear, um, who plays Dick Vermeil. In the Vince Papali movie, he is in. He plays like the honest, uh, earnest cop. And in the last performance of his life before he died, Ray Liotta is the guilt-ridden dad of our man stuck behind Really? Bars. Yeah. Oh, he, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and here's the thing. He plays in it. He plays a dying father, and he was actually ill on set. And they, like, you know, he said, like, let's let's go through with it. And so it's both kind of like thoroughly convincing and sometimes a little tough to take because you know that the guy who's the actor, you know, he's he's in the process of dying. But wow. he's good. Yeah, he, he played it convincingly. Um, my bottom line thoughts is it's very watchable. I give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I got a lot of feedback. Yesterday I mentioned that I was going to uh, try to finish watching. I didn't. I, I, I got invested in the Philly. So I've watched 5 out of the 6. Really good. I, I really recommend this, and you would like it for all the reasons that you said going in. Blackbird, Apple TV+, Plus. this is worth watching. I did not even know about uh, Ray Liotta being uh, one of the, the stars of the, the – that's reason enough. Yeah. Forget about MacNow's great review. Uh, I, I want to see Ray Liotta's last performance, no matter what it is, so this is a must-watch for me. Speaking of Apple TV+, Plus. The game Friday night, um, and it's the second – I think it's the second game I've watched them do on Apple with the Phillies this year. And I have very mixed feelings about it. I think there's some things they do very well and some things they do terribly. The pictures is really good. Phenomenal. Um, I thought 100 Pence was, was decent. I have no problem with him. Uh, I didn't – this broadcast crew I didn't have a lot of problem with, except they went with the usual – you know, Philly cheesesteak quiz and the snowballs of Santa. It's like every stupid cliche they got to pull out there. Right. Um, I ran a Twitter poll after the game asking what my followers thought. And I figured just because, hey, it's not Tom McCarthy and John Crook, they're going to kill him. Actually, not bad. Uh, 2,400 responses, which is a lot for, for me. Uh, excellent. 7.5%, pretty good, 32.5%. That's already 40%, you know, above average. Uh, my third choice was meh, which was 37%, and substandard was only 22.5%. For not being the local coverage, that's, you know, that's pretty generous for our audience. 40% is a higher approval rate than the current president has, so you need to keep it in. <laughs> 
uh, that, yeah. that particular context. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'd never seen Hunter do uh, any uh, stuff mm. before, and he was pretty good. I know Steven Nelson from the MLB Network. Uh, he's come on my show a bunch as a guest, and he was uh, friends with my daughter when she worked up there. So he and I have become kind of friendly. I think he's really good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the first crew that they had do the Apple game I thought was pretty darn poor, uh, but this was a much improved one for me. And the picture is unbelievably good. There's one thing that I can't stand about their coverage. It's not a big deal, but I hate it. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, a little something that they put up on the It's the little graphic on the bottom right, you know, chance of an RBI. Yes, the percentages. Yeah. Predictive stats are stupid. It's it's a little much. I'll give you that. It It adds nothing to me. Because if he gets it, he gets it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Predictive stats to me don't tell me anything. And it's just like anything on the screen, your eyes automatically will go to it. So you can't avoid it. So every time I look at it, like chance of a hit, 31.5, like, please stop this. Anyway, the only one that's good is when it's less than 1%. And sure enough, it happens. And you go, oh, my God, that was not supposed to happen. But that happens about one out of 100 times. So, yeah, the other 99 times, it's probably just annoying. Hey, we have a giveaway on the show that I – Completely forgot to mention for the first hour and 40 minutes. Uh, I presume that our producer, Dan Wilson, has been keeping track back at the studio. But we have a $50 gift card to give away to Shy Vintage Sports. Oh, no, with, you mentioned it. Oh, I did. Well, I'll Dan. mention it again. You I said, said it's Dan, for the best Dan, caller Dan, of the day. For Dan, okay. yeah, Dan to do the work. Oh, Passing I, the buck. Right. You and I going immediately right. to Dan to make him do all the work. That's right. Well, I'll throw it out there again because let me just check. I think this is a time when people can get in pretty quickly. Indeed, it is. Uh, 215-592-9494. Best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or shybsports.com. Uh, we got one call on hold. We will grab some more. And the one question we kind of threw out early but never explored, and it's come to my attention, we did leave somebody out. Who is the next Philadelphia sports figure, player, coach, owner, referee? Art McNally got in yesterday, Joe. 97-year-old former good referee for from here. Yes. Yeah, good. Uh, to get into his sports Hall of Fame, I say Jason Kelsey. You said did – did you throw a name out there? No. You said not Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Or you said he'll be a wild. And not, and not, not Andre Iguodala. Um, okay. I'm the, the Grinch that stole Hall of Fame status today. Well, there's a name that we both forgot that's out there. We'll see if somebody wants to give it to us. 215-592-9494 going up to leading off 1230 Phillies. Uh, One o'clock game against those Washington Nats right here on 94 WIP. Hey, Maine. <laughs> I you like want, Kenny Maine. And you I want think my quick really, Kenny story? Yeah, but hold on. I like him. I think he's really talented. But the way he does that, it's like, could you say it more monotone? Hey, Maine. But I that, know that's kind of his shtick. That's Kenny Shtick. That's yeah, his whole he, act. Yeah, he, he kind of flatlines sometimes. Yes. I, yeah, uh, what's the story? Sure. I, I uh, did the Kentucky Derby radio broadcast for ESPN Radio. Sweet. Um, yes, years ago, two years in a row, um, uh, and had a great time both times. Um, so we were in the same hotel as all the TV people. 
So Kenny Mayne was in the TV. And I had never met him before. I worked ESPN uh, decades ago. Kenny got there afterwards. Our times never overlapped. So I had just met him briefly the day before, big ESPN, uh, just uh, shake hands, have a uh, beer together, blah, 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 blah. Didn't even talk to him, just introduced myself. Uh, so the hotel we were at was within walking distance of uh, the track. And I walked the day before on Friday. We were over there on Friday. We broadcast Saturday was the day, whatever. So I had walked it, and I said, I'm going to walk it again. So I came walking out of the hotel, and Kenny's walking out at the same time. And he goes, hey, Jody. And he saw me kind of walking. Hey, he goes, wait, you need a ride? Come on, get in the car. So I hop in Kenny's car, and he drove me over. He had a great uh, TV they take good care of. So he had a great parking pass right in front, whatever else. And we just shot the breeze in the car. I had n- just shook the guy's hand the day before for 10 seconds. And he said, come on, get my car. I'll drive you over to the track. And had a uh, fun 10- or 15-minute conversation with him. Very nice guy. Nice. Very nice. Uh, let us talk to Denise in Parksburg. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hi, Denise. Hi, um, Mac and Mac. It's a thrill to talk to you. Um, regular listener of yours back in the day. And sorry, I'm a little nervous. Oh, don't um, be nervous. We're delighted that you <laughs> caught up with us after all this time. Well, thank you. Thank you. And as much as I love, love Ray and Glenn, I love that you two are back together. Anyway, a quick Pete Rose point, if, if I may. Um, I hope you two are right that they never add him to the wall of fame or give him an honor in any way. Um, I'm a lifelong, lifelong Phillies fan, had my heart broken the first time in 1964, and the 1980 World Series victory for me, rightly or wrongly, always had a little bit of a cloud over it that so much credit was given to Pete Rose for putting them over the top, and again, rightly or wrongly, never liked the guy. He was one of those players that when he came to the Phillies, I couldn't get over my dislike of him, um, and I just feel like that crowd would hang over the wall of fame and, and players like, like Whitey and Robin Roberts and Roy Halliday if they put him up there. So I, it's my fervent hope that they don't do that. All right. My feeling is based on something different than yours, but you're certainly entitled to your feeling. Let me ask you a question. You are a fan of that era. Yesterday, mm-hmm. Bake McBride, Ron Reed get in. Were you excited about that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think all of those guys deserve to to. to to be on there. Um, yeah. And uh, I wish they would bring Jim Longboard back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, Denise. Jody, I'm not sure Jim Longboard's going to ever get on that wall, but, you know, he had a couple good years here. You and I did not live here during that, you know, 77 to 83 period, which is right. really when they were, you know, a, a really good team. Um, and, Walls of Fames are for fans more than they're for anything. Um, I, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think they've gotten just again. It's it's my opinion, and so it's neither right nor wrong. Right? This is they can do whatever they want. I feel that they kind of gotten much too generous and lowered the standards beneath what it should be to get that kind of permanence. Just my opinion. And I'm uh, pretty much in lockstep with you. The one thing that surprised me that she said was that back, way back when the Phillies won that World Series in 1980, she had as big a problem with Pete Rose as uh, she did. Uh, Pete Rose's problem started after that 80 World Series. Oh, yeah. Baseball and the indiscretion that you noted earlier and the like. 
I had no problem with Pete Rose when he was a Philly, and he was a key integral, put them over the top type piece. If she thinks it robbed from others who were just as big, who were here the whole time and came through the system and the like, that I guess I understand. But no, Pete Rose became a dislikable figure after he helped the Phillies win the World Series, at least for me. Yeah, well, I think what she was saying is she didn't like him before she before he got here, and she was not able to get. Yeah, past why that. would you not like him before he got here? He was the well, old guy because he was the player on the other team that you hated, right? Oh, I mean, he was he was okay. the guy on the other okay, team that, that you hated, right, and you, then when he's you. on your team, it all changes. And for her, it didn't. That's that's like Dykstra, right? But when Dykstra played for the Mets, Phillies fans hated him, and then he was a Philly, and that's like, well, now he's one of ours. There's guys like that. In okay. hockey, there's always guys like that, right? right? I, I see the point you're getting to, yeah. and it, I hope that's why she did it because uh, I had no issues with Pete Rose when he came here. But then again, I wasn't a uh, diehard Philly fan at that time. I just appreciated the fact was uh, the guy was the greatest uh, hit king in the history of the game. Let me give you a little uh, Philly's uh, lineup uh, nugget here. Uh, 135 game, as I said, you and I are going to be doing leaning off. Uh, Reese Hoskins is in the lineup. Derek Hall is in the lineup, but today Hoskins DHs and Hall plays first. Only the second game Hall starting at first. So is that they're just giving Hoskins like sit and just DH? Yeah, half a day off. Half a day off. Okay. Which I'm perfectly fine with because I wanted to see Derek Hall play first base when he got caught up, uh, called up because, hey, Hoskins, as you mentioned earlier in the show, three straight days, first at bat, home run, get your team the lead, doesn't get any better than that. Uh, I want to praise Reese Hoskins, but the truth of the matter is he's a bad defensive first baseman. So I wanted to see is Derek Hall an improvement at first base? And for whatever reason, Rob Thompson is stuck to his guns of, no, Reese is my first baseman. I'm leaving Reese at first base. Anytime Derek Hall gets out there, if nothing other than evaluation purposes, I'm good with him playing first base. Well, today you get that opportunity. Uh, Dewey and Royersford joins us. Hey, Dewey. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, guys hey. doing? Good. I kind of agree with that lady a little bit ago. Uh, not, not a fan of Pete Rose. Uh, and I, I want Faith McBride and Ron Reed to enjoy their moment. And I just, I, all I'm saying is I hope the fact he's there doesn't take away from those guys because they're, they're not going to make a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame. So this is their Hall of Fame, the Wall of Fame. You know, and it was. You can imagine the, how big it is to them. Oh, it's huge to them. And I watched, you know I, mean? last, I watched Ron Reed's speech last night. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it was, it was what a great moment for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the interesting thing the Phillies did, which I thought was a little Weasley, um, because remember Rose was invited back in 2017. Oh, I know and, about that. And then the allegations came out, or, or at least you know gained attention about him having this affair with this teenage girl when she was 14 or 15, and so the Phillies disinvited him. And so, like, what changed in the last five years that they're bringing him back? And what they said was, well, we talked to his teammates, and they were all good with it. Well, of course they're going to be good with it. Of right? course. I said the they're same teammates. thing to my, to my wife. Said the right. same thing. What yeah, do you think te- they're going to say? Right. They're teammates. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they know what he meant to that team. And I assume Ron Reed and Bake McBride feel the same way. But to me, it was the Phillies' way of passing the buck. Sure. And I think the young crowd, uh, all they hear about is, you know, the most hits. And that's great, and I admire him for that. He's probably the, got the most out of his ability better than any player I saw. So I will give him that. You follow me? And second I, would probably be Larry Bowa. Got the yes. most out of his ability. I, I admire Larry Bowa a million times more than Pete Rose. Um, but well, 
Uh, well, certainly, I, I admire Larry as as a man uh, more than Pete. By the way, Jody, um, Alex Coffey of the Inquirer, who I think is a very solid beat writer. You know, new new on the beat, and I think she does a good job. Um, I've had her on. You ever had her as a guest? I have not. Good guest. We'll have her. We'll have her together, and, and you should have her some on your other show. She's good. So she just tweeted, um, I asked Pete Rose what he would say to people who say his presence here sends a negative message to women. Again, he had an affair with a girl when she was 14 or 15. Pete's response, no, I'm not here to talk about that. Sorry about that. It was 55 years ago, babe. Yeah, poor poor choice of words there, Pete. Uh, (laughs) The last word is... Got to get the babe in there at the end. That's... (laughs) Kind of, uh, that kind just, of, dis- you know, he could just say like, "I'm not here to talk about that," and like, "Okay, well, uh, you know, I wish you would, but you won't." But to dismiss this, this, this reporter who's doing her job as babe, right? And and by the way, and I, uh, I read her, but I've never had her on the show as a guest before. She's a relatively young woman, right? Yeah, yeah. Pete really needed to go babe. Yeah. As uh, to a 30, I'm guessing she's around 30, 30 year old woman. Yeah, probably. Uh, not not a good choice of words, Pete. But I yeah. think it was funny that the caller made the, the same kind of point. Pete Rose, our previous caller, said that she didn't like the fact that Pete took away from some of the shine that the other contributing members of that Phillies World Series championship team in 1980 would have gotten if not for Pete Rose being, quote unquote, the missing piece. Well, he's doing it again today. Yes, Ron he, Reed and Bate McBride are supposed to be the ones who are getting all of the attention, and Pete Rose will get a big chunk of it. Maybe that's just part of his personality. He steps on people's toes. By the way, you may know Alex Coffey's dad, or at least know of him, Wayne Coffey. Hockey writer? Yeah. Yeah. Sports, yeah. Okay. sports writer up in New York. That's her dad. Okay. I, yeah, I, I, I know of him, and I know of her. I've just yeah. never had my uh, had her on one of my shows yeah. as a guest. I will effort that going forward. 215-592-9494. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, so we're going to keep, we're going to move into leading off, which means we'll still take your calls. Uh, we just want to make them sure they focus on baseball because this is the Phillies hour, and we're going to lead you uh, right up to the Phillies against the Pitiful. What's the word I'm looking for, Jody? Pitiful, paltry. Pitiful. I'm good with both. Yes. Okay. Pathetic. Uh, you want to throw pathetic. pathetic in there? Anything that starts with a p. <laughs> Pissant. Washington Nationals. No! Uh, you can use that word. That's okay. a real word. It's a real word. Doesn't really fit, but it's it's okay. Uh, so we'll take your calls on that, and we'll uh, set you up for the game. Actually, that's a, I just lied. That's at twelve thirty. Excuse me. I'm getting my times mixed up. When we come back, Jody. If I can rewind the last 45 seconds and pretend it never happened, it will be This Week in Philadelphia Sports History from Shy Vintage Sports, and it will be a football-related one that everybody in this town will recommend. But we'll still take your calls on everything. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Hey, the summer heat means it's that time of year to crank up the A.C. again. Now, to keep your home cooling more efficiently and it helps save you on high energy bills, I suggest you go Guida and finally replace your old drafty inefficient windows and doors with the good people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. You'll receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance 
high energy, or excuse me, high performance, energy efficient, triple pane windows, and you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, get your project started today with no money down, pay it off interest-free for up to 18 full months. All prior sales excluded, minimum purchase required. Don't let this sale pass you by. Go guide it today. Call to schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Brian Westbrook in the backfield. And Terrell Owens, everybody, all eyes, all attention on T.O. and how this will all work out. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see the first play if they don't try to get the football to Terrell Owens. Looks his way. Fires it his way. There's Owens at the 45. Inside the 20. And on the first play at Philadelphia in an Eagle uniform, Terrell Owens takes it 81 yards right on the jersey number. Well, that was an amazing moment. Um, welcome back. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now it is time for this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports. Where there's a story in every stitch, check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or at shybesports.com. And by the way, we are giving away a $50 gift card for the best caller, which may or may not be the person who tells Jody and I we forgot who will be the next Philadelphia uh, sports personality in a Hall of Fame, which – both you and I neglected. I haven't mentioned it to you on the air because I want somebody to get it, but right. it seems like a pretty good one. But, okay, so what I just played, Jody, this is not the anniversary of that. That was Terrell Owens' first play preseason Baltimore Ravens against the Baltimore Ravens with the Eagles um, at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, by the way, good uh, prediction by Boomer there that they're going to try to get him the ball. <laughs> yeah, There's th- never th- been th- anything Tony like Tony Romo that. get paid like – Tens of millions of dollars because he can right. predict things. Well, yeah. Boomer Esiason was doing it when Tony Romo was still playing. So this is not the anniversary of that, but this, specifically yesterday, was the 18th anniversary of when T.O. was at Lehigh and the 2004 Eagles are at Lehigh and they had an open practice, which is they were all open practices in those days, and they also had it autograph day and for the first time Terrell Owens and Javon Curse, who was their other big acquisition that year were there to sign autographs and 25,000 people showed up which is believed to be the largest attendance at any off-day training camp in NFL history and you know how I remember it we were going to do the show that not you and I we weren't working together that year but I was going to be doing the show there and never got there. Got really? stuck in tra- Got stuck in traffic, and the boss said, "You know what? We, it's you know you guys are supposed to go on in ten minutes. Uh, just uh, we'll hold it back here in the studio until you can turn around and get there." Andy Reid couldn't get there. They had to get him a. He was stuck in traffic. They had to get him a police escort. You remember that that like the drive to Lehigh? Oh sure, Northeast Extension. Right. And that was okay. It was it was crowded, but then you would get off and go those back roads over there. Yeah. And it was on a normal day traffic was nuts. On this day, there were traffic jams around the university. They started early in the morning. They just got out of control as the day went on. The university was not built to like withstand that crowd. No. Um people who were it was like Woodstock, people who were stuck in traffic just left their car and walked the last mile. Um, and it was it 
the mania around that team, to me, was kind of set that day. And it was all T.O. driven. Uh, yeah. Javon Kirsch was a nice player, and <laughs> yes, he came no. in and played well. Yeah, no, no, it was all. He wasn't moving all. the needle, right. No, not like the way T.O. was. And, yes, I took that ride up uh, the North Extension, which you're right. If uh, there isn't an issue, then it's fine. It moves right along. But that tight, narrow, two-lane highway, if there's uh, an accident, you're done. Yes. There's no side of the road. There, it's a for a good five, six, seven mile stretch. It's two lanes on each side, right on top of each other. No breakdown lane. Oh, so I've been caught in both, uh, not moving on the northeast extension and not moving once you get off it up by Lehigh as well. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that anymore, Glenn. I know, and that's a shit. It's what that's what lower. I think it's Lower Saucon is that area that's right there, and it just it just would clog up, but. And I did a lot of shows from there, and I will be honest, I, I hated driving out there. I didn't like the drive. I inevitably got lost during the last mile. Uh, and then we would sit out there, and you'd bake in 100 degrees. But you know what? As much as I'm that, – that is – I will plead guilty to whining there. They used to get, on average, six, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people. Right. And, and that day when they got 25,000 people, it was nuts – but people, you you got to be invested in the team early. Listen, Ray wrote a whole play on going to practice and watching Tommy McDonald and being able to interact like that. And I know they're doing it tonight, and that's great. And there's going to be a lot of people there, but it's a it's a one off. I also know that most teams have gone in this direction. Chip Kelly's the one who started it here. You know, we're going to move the practices back to town. It's going to be more efficient. Players can sleep in their own beds. I get it. I get it all. I can't argue against it as a smart thing for the franchise to do for their players. But for fans, man, you remember, Jody, remember we used to have a guy called us named Eagle Joe? Remember that guy? Mm, barely. Okay. He was, he was a guy, I think he was a retired mailman or something like that, who would – Take all – actually, I don't think he was retired. I think what he'd do is he'd take all his vacation. Vacation, yep. Yeah, and he would, like, go go up to Lehigh and go to practice every day, and people loved that. And we would get calls like, oh, this wide receiver, he dropped three balls. He's out of here. And I, and I got to tell you, I'll say it again, this may be better for the franchise in terms of monitoring their players and they get a full night's sleep and, you know, not sleeping in dorm beds. But it was so much better for the fans. It doesn't seem like it, but it's now been 10 years since the Eagles moved their training camp from Lehigh back to uh, the Novacare Complex. Wow. Uh, you know, I talk Eagles every day on Birds 365. So yeah. Certain yeah. things become repetitive. I have moved on. I, I've stopped the whining. I feel the same way you do between you and me, wink, wink, nod, nod, but I just can't do it anymore because I've done so much of it. Uh, so I can't l- continue to go down that same exact road of uh, this just isn't good. It's not fair to the fans. Fans sure. are missing out. And the point you made, uh, which I have harped on, is I, I did. I went through and I checked every single team. Three quarters of the teams in the National Football League now have 
their preseason work done in their own facility. Mm -hmm. It's down to just a quarter of the teams that actually still go on a campus for a period of time, get that bonding thing, stay in dorms. They're not the exception. They are now the rule of that. When they first did it, yes, they were in the minority, but now they're part of the majority it's become common and standard practice around the NFL, so I can't get upset by it. Nor can I, but I will say there is no, and I didn't even make it there that day. <laughs> I did not, I did not make it. But there has never been a day like the day. It wasn't the first day he was there, but it was the day. It's like it's autograph day. It's kids day. We're going to feature To that, and I will say this, just taking it to a larger sense. Because you and I have now been both been in this town for like thirty years. Thirty plus. Yep. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a team. Correct me if I'm missing something. Actually, there's one where anticipation for the team going into the season was as high as this. There's one I can think of. Who would you put above it? I would say when the Phillies got the four aces, it was like that. Yeah. Similar. But the difference was they had already uh, secured a championship. True. So as exciting as it was, they'd already gotten the job done. The Eagles had not yet won a Super Bowl, so this was going to be the step to the ultimate goal, which is a championship. So I would would rate that team above that for the team with the four races. Uh, You know what? uh, I will not disagree with that. It was great. And then, hey, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but, God, that season was so much fun. They were beating everybody. They were crushing everybody. And, you know, it all destructed with T.O. and McNabb and all the, the, with the sit-ups and everything else. It ended. It was, it was a tempestuous, short marriage that had some great highlights. Understood. And I can't make it tonight. Don't know if you're going to get down there or not. I'm on the air on CBS Sports Radio tonight. So um, I would, if I could, go down tonight. Um, I did see today that they're going to have some – Alumni autograph sessions, mm-hmm. including Trey Thomas, Jamal Jackson, Todd Ehrmans, and this guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Ike Reese coming <laughs> back to do some autograph signing for the They Eagles love Ike, night. man. They, they, lo- uh, they drink they that Ike juice. Ike. They yes, love- they do, and Ike will be down there tonight. So if you're heading down to the uh, Eagles open practice, have a good time. Go give Ike a hard time. I cannot go because tonight is my first rehearsal for that play I'm going to be. Oh, very cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. All right, let's grab some calls here. Pete and Plymouth meeting. Pete, you you made it to Lehigh that day. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Jody. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, Yes, I made it there, but full disclosure, this is uh, Pete Thompson, the media guy down the shore, and I was working that day. So I – I had to get up at, I don't know, some ungodly 4 in the morning or 4.30, go to the TV station, the now defunct TV 40, and get a van, get my way to Lehigh, sweltering, get a one-day pass, which wasn't easy to do at that point, get myself in position. And uh, your Woodstock analogy is perfect. I mean, it was insane. But I do remember two things. One, it's the first day. I ever worked at the now defunct TV 40, so what a hell of a way to start your career at a new TV station. And two, I shot my own video, so I was getting an isolation shot of number 81, and the fans were yelling his name, Terrell, Terrell, Terrell. Mm-hmm. And he finally turns around and says, 
that's not my name. And somebody else who knew better said, Carol. And then he turned around and gave him a thumbs up. And that was the, that was the Nat sound pop that I used to start off my story that night on the now defunct TV 40 at 6 o'clock. But, Sweet. Oh, my God. It, yeah. It, uh, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, don't worry, Glenn. Uh, both Mike Franco and I, uh, who worked together at 40, we went to the Phillies World Series Parade, and we're, one of us had to anchor the show at 6. And I don't think we were much past the Walt Whitman after Chase had said world effing champions. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went to college years ago, unless you somehow bought a helicopter in the last month and we don't know about it, we ain't making it back. Well, Pete, just describe a little bit um, just the the buildup for that year. Because, listen, I, and I, this is an unfair comparing contrast. I think people are very excited about the Eagles this year. I think uh, we most of us think this is going to be a playoff team. But that year, boy, the expectations, Pete, were off the charts. It, and you talk about the way the year went and the expectations. It just was kind of like – before reality TV had fully exploded, every week you thought, what's the next thing I'm going to see that I can't believe that I just saw, and I have to be there to see that. And so not only was Lehigh intense, but you played, what a great pop that you had of that Nat sound of Nance and then Boomer Esiason. I mean, that's another story that, you know, again, at that time, all the affiliates could shoot on the field, not just the Philly affiliates, so if you were from Harrisburg or Scranton or the Jersey Shore like I was, you could be down there you to your shoot shot. your highlights. Yeah. And so, hey, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I was the only TV camera to get that shot because I was the only one that had covered a decade in Nebraska football and be sitting 86 yards away from the play. And Terrell <laughs> Owens came, he caught that ball, he ran it into the end zone, he looked for the first camera he could find, it was mine. And he put his hands on his hip like Peter Pan, and he's bobbing his head up and down like, "That's right, guys. This is what you're in for." Oh, it was and iconic. That- it was it oh, was it was great. Thank you for calling. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was it was it was all absolutely absolutely tremendous with it. Uh, and, let's get. And oh, by yeah. the way, I always called him T.O. I didn't go yeah, down I think the most road people of mispronouncing did. his first name. He was just T.O. I think most people did, and and one of the things that happened quickly when he joined the team is people started serenading. Remember the T-O, 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 T-O. That's pretty good, man. When people start singing your name, Jody, no one has ever sung my name. <laughs> yeah, no, nor, nor have they for uh, yours truly. Yeah. We, we haven't quite reached T-O status yet. No. Which by the way, did you see him yesterday? I saw him on Twitter in an encounter that was not probably what you're talking about. No, uh, he and I, I filled in for Howard yesterday morning, and I asked about uh, the the ceremonies they had on Friday night. It's an ongoing thing. They interview all the Hall of Fame inductees at the game on TV on Thursday night, then they have a, a, a get-together and a ceremony on yeah. Friday, and then they have the actual uh, getting the jacket. You get the jacket on Friday night ahead of time, then you yeah. wear it onto the stage on I asked Howard, uh, did you run into T.O.? Because he doesn't really like the gold jacket. When they wanted to give it to him, he said, thank-. He said, 
No, T.O.'s not here. Yeah, he boycotted his induction because he thought he had gotten in too late, right? Correct. Yeah, Yeah. okay. He wasn't the first ballot guy, and it ticked him off, so then he didn't even show when they actually did induct him, um, and Howard said he wasn't there. I guess he showed up on Saturday because he wasn't there Friday. Saturday, he was in the group that were sitting when they uh, introduced uh, the, uh, the inductees. I watched Dick Vermeil walk right by him. Oh, nice. Well, that's yeah, he good. Was, he was there. He eventually showed up. He didn't make the uh, the, the jacket ceremony on Friday night because he's got a jacket issue and never took his. Uh, but he did. Uh, he was there uh, for Dick's induction yesterday. I love events like that. I mean, I wasn't all that into every speech they, they had. They, they started at 12, so I was still on the air. But when I got home, I wanted to see Vermeil, so I turned it on, and I saw a couple of the ones, Bryant Young, I forget who else I saw. And they can kind of go on, but when they scan the crowd and they show you the faces, right, and you you see the players that you knew from 10, 20 years ago or whatever, and then I, I just – I love that. So I love these things. Um, I am delighted for Ray that, that um, he was invited there by Coach Vermeil and all of those old players and stuff. I think those things are just great. And got the mention in Dick's speech. Yeah, he shouts him out. That's he pretty did. good. But then again, it was one of 172 people that Dick did thanks. Well, so okay. he didn't include McNauer McDonald. Right. But, I, uh, well, yeah. Dinger did get the call, so got to give him his props. That's uh, pretty good. It's, I, I know Ray's having a great weekend. Uh, Aaron in Norristown, you're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Aaron. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. Good. I wanted to make a Phillies point, a quick Eagles point, if I could. First of all, the Phillies uh, – I don't know if you looked at the schedule of them and the Braves and how the Braves have been playing. I think by September 15th, when the Phillies meet the Braves after the next 30 games, the Phillies and the Braves will probably be in a virtual tie if you look at their schedule. The Phillies play the Mets six times, I think, in the next 30 games. Outside of that, they play nobody. Their other toughest opponent would be the San Francisco Giants. They play nobody over the next 30 games. They play the Pirates. They play the Nationals. They play them. I mean, and you look at the Braves' schedule, who's got to play Houston, and they got to play Seattle, and they got to play the Mets another three times. Um, I think by the by September 15th, when hopefully Harper play, you know, be playing again, the, the Phillies would be the fourth-best record in the National League. Is that possible? Not impossible. Uh, wouldn't bet on it, but not impossible. You're looking through an optimistic uh, lens. Uh, and why not? If you're a Philly fan, sure. Go go down here. It's not outrageous. Well, well, it's just optimistic. Yeah, I think the schedule's been dictating how the schedule goes and their way they're starting to play better now. My uh, Eagles point was I also wanted to give a congratulations to Dick Vermeil, but I also want to give a shout-out to a local Sam Mills induction uh, what a story he was uh, with his career and getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. I was really happy to see him get inducted. And I actually think there's some similarities between our drafted N'Kobe Dean and Sam Mills mm-hmm. in terms of their size and style of play. And if, and, and if he can have half the career that Sam Mills had, we'll be, we'll be blessed. But what, a, what an honor to see Sam Mills get inducted after surviving cancer and the career he had with his size. And I just want to give a shout-out to Sam Mills. I think, it, I think uh, first of all, thank you for the shout-out to Sam Mills. That was, that was smart and great by you. And second of all, uh, I've, I've heard people compare N'Kobe Dean to Sam Mills, which is always dangerous because when somebody's in the Hall of Fame, you know, th- this guy is – looks like he can have a career. He was a third-round draft pick. We understand why he was drafted late. But, hey, yeah, I'll take half that career. Do you, do you want to uh, – my recollection of the last time Philadelphia went down that road even more so egregiously? Give me the sport. Basketball. Oh, uh, Simmons and who? 
Magic Johnson. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead and compare a rookie to the top, a top five all-time talent in the history of the NBA? I fielded way too many of those calls out of summer league uh, action, uh, Glenn. Oh, He's God. the next Magic Johnson. Yeah, sure he is. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when they do the winning time uh, series on him. Yeah. It can't include the word winning. Uh, let's get one more call here. Tommy in South Jersey. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Jody. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Um, I was just uh, overhearing your comment about Pete Rose and, you know, the, the constant feeling of ostracizing Rose for baseball. It's just not warranted. I mean, the man ha- has problems, and this day all athletes get these second chances. And I can remember Pete Rose playing. He was a hard-nosed player that played – his heart out every day, and he's probably one of the best baseball players to ever play the game. You know, so I just don't feel why, especially Philadelphia, did not appreciate that man when he came to play for Philly and what he had done for Philly and well, actually well, and baseball. Few things, few things here. Um, one is uh, I will tell you, you're certainly you know entitled to feel that way. It's not my job to convince you that you're wrong um, because you're not wrong per se. Uh, and and I think. Most people, and I know the woman, I forget her name, called up and said she didn't like him after he came here. I think most Philadelphia, most Phillies fans appreciated the hell out of him when he was here uh, and thought he was a tremendous player and a huge part of the reason this team eventually won its first World Series in 1980. As far as Pete getting a second chance, there's, there's a couple issues here. The gambling thing, you know, is, is well discussed. The problem is that Pete denied, 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 denied until he admitted because he was going to write a book. And then when baseball is ready to embrace him and say, like, okay, look, we're going we're gonna to move past that, then comes the story about a 32-year-old married man having an affair with a 14, an ongoing affair with a 14-year-old girl and Rose Defense being, well, I thought she was 16. If we look more seriously now at that kind of thing than we used to, and I think we do, mm-hmm. then – he kind of blew that chance, no? Well, I think that, you know, what he did was there's no excuse for it. And I am not going to judge the man, although I'll be honest with you, that is it's a very bad situation that he put himself into, and there's no excuse for it. But there's yeah. been athletes that have higher profiles that have done so much worse that have actually played and been successful. I mean, Ray Lewis was charged of murder. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. really, really bad. I, and then you had, tell me, I, you I hear Michael you. Vick, and, and I got to – I, I appreciate your call. I, mean, I, I got I to go. And by the way, Michael Vick served his time, which to me always makes Michael Vick a little different. He served his time. He said, I did it. He, he worked to reform himself. All right. we uh, Before we uh, end this segment, Jody, turns out that you've been sitting on a what we're watching tip. That we got to get out before this show ends. Oh, no, it's not a tip, and I haven't been sitting on it. It's what I'm doing right now. Um, what's your default setting on your television when you're at home? You're on the computer, you're doing other stuff, but you got the TV on in the background, and it's on what channel? Um, probably NBC Sports Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, for me, it's ESPN. For my wife, it's okay. a 24-hour news network. Yeah, no, the 24-hour news networks drive me nuts. So okay. Yeah, I can no, watch it's... any of them for like 15, well, some I can watch for five minutes, some I can watch for half an hour. All of them I tend to come away angry. No, so, when, no. When, when my wife I'll put on the Cartoon TV Network. On, she'll she'll I get always it. be too. My wife as well. My and that's fine. A news um, junkie. 
uh, but I'm an ESPN guy. I have never watched so much cornhole and axe throwing. Oh, they got in the my Ocho this weekend. Life. Yeah, yeah, they got the Holy Ocho. Holy mackerel! Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I like playing uh, cornhole. I think it's great. Uh, you're going to a game. You're in the parking lot. Whatever else. The certain bars have the setups outside. I really do enjoy it. Can there be anything more boring than watching someone else do it? That's kind of a participatory sport, isn't it? It's just to watch someone else. And I thought it was the worst thing ever. Then I got my fill of axe throwing over the last couple of weeks. When did that become a televised sport? So it's a goof. So what they do, and I'm not a big ESPN guy, so I'm not exactly the right guy to answer this for you, but I'm going to try my best, is a couple times a year, they turn it over to what they call the Ocho, which is almost a satire. Like, there's ESPN 1, ESPN 2, ESPN Classic, ESPN University. I don't remember what they all are. But this is a parody called ESPN 8 where they put all the obscure sports. I turned it on the other day, and they had it was dog racing, but not the kind that you would go to down in Florida. It was a bunch of people lining up their Pekingese on a um, human racetrack saying go, and the dogs all running in different directions. So it's just a goof that they do for two or three days a couple times a year. Uh, no, and you no. found it. No, 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 no. They've been doing the cornhole now for months. Oh, I, I have okay. watched this many, 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 many a time. The axe throwing is kind of new. I don't know if that's uh, satire or not, uh, but I've watched it five or six times in the last week. It seems like every time I put it on, all right, they got something on sports in it, so I got to go to ESPN too. Up, oh, that's axe throwing. I'm telling you, these things are not just uh, one-offs. They're becoming staple programming for ESPN. All right, two quick things. One, we didn't say, and nobody said, the next Philadelphia athlete who, should go to, who will be in the Hall of who Fame. Who is it? It's the guy who played left tackle two, two down from Kelsey, Jason Peters. Oh, very good. Yeah, and it wasn't me. Jack Fritz, actually, the first Give to send Fritz it to you. Give Fritz credit. Good people. for him. Yes, and then second of all, let's go to Dan Wilson for the caller of the day. So I was going to give it to Steve in Westchester, but a very good Eagles call. And actually, we, we weren't going to give him credit because he said it off the air, but he did call back after his call to say Jason Peters. We gave everyone else a chance. No one got it. Okay. So between that and his on-air call, we're going to give it to him. I do think we c- cut him off before he was able to make his axe-throwing point. Um, but that was just—he <laughs> um, he, he did have he's something. He's a fan of that, that too. Yeah, uh, he, he seemed to be a fan of that too. He's locked into ESPN all day. Oh, there you good. go. All right. Well, congratulations to him, Dan. Be sure to send me his info so I can make sure he gets his prize, which is a fifty-dollar gift card to Shive Vintage Sports. Uh, visit their Center City location or ShiveSports.com. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back. Leading off, taking you up to Phillies baseball, right here on ninety-four WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.